Welcome to Thriving the Future podcast, where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead. Okay, welcome back to Thriving the Future. This is episode 28. We've been at this for more than six months. Congrats. Most people fold after uh, after a month or three weeks or something. Well, this is, this is going well. I, <laughs> That's right. Six months? Wow. And we've done it consistently every week. We've not missed a week in the last six months. Next issue of the journal will be one year. Awesome. Six months for this. I'm, I'm, I'm somehow become consistent. <laughs> okay, in this episode, it's spring. Yay! And we're going to talk about what we're planning this year, some new things, and some exciting things that we're looking at. Yeah. So you had an interesting question that you asked me earlier. Yeah. Why do we plant stuff? I mean, I know kind of sort of why I plant stuff. I know why you plant stuff. Right. I've heard some other reasons out of other people, but I've always find that an interesting question. So why do you plant plants, Scott? Well, I plant, number one, so I can have homegrown food. Okay. But the thing I like the most is it's relaxing. It's fun to try new things. And uh, this year, so we talked earlier this year in our solstice episode about land races and stuff like that. So this year, I have seed that I stored from last year. I've already got tomatoes that are up. So it'll be interesting to see what those look like um, in uh, crossbred and what they look oh, like. Pollinated and yeah. Yeah. So there are a bunch of different things that are mixed together probably. And then what what can I adapt to make to work on my land? What works? What doesn't work? Because as we said before, your land's going to determine what lives and dies. Right, you can bring in something from Colorado. We've got several things here that are from Colorado or Minnesota. That doesn't mean they're going to work. I think we both know what you mean when you say land, but I'm going to clarify for everybody else, right? Sure, sure. Because more than just the dirt, Mm -hmm. it's a factor of the dirt, the climate, the um, local remote subclimate of your property, Mm -hmm. and then your gardening care and technique and habit. And the ongoing battle or building of soil. So when I moved into my place seven years ago, the person had used lots of chemicals. The ground was extremely compacted. It was really hard to grow anything. Compacted is bigger under. Yeah, even in their, uh, so it's a lot of clay. And even in their prescribed garden area, nothing wanted to grow without chemicals. Or just tons and tons of input and fertilizer and baby. Right, right. Yes. And then and then the stuff that I didn't want to grow grew just fine. And so it took years and years of putting in manure and wood chips and just experimenting with with things to see what would work. Yeah. This is a good culmination of that this year. Good. What about you? So when I was young... Very young. My brother was much older. Uh, He had a garden. And he grew a garden. And he had watermelons. But he grew the bigger watermelons. He didn't get them quite planted on time. and But they were still better than anything we got in the store. Mm. You know, this would have been the 80s. Right. And 
I took note of that. So the next year, he tried two different varieties of watermelon. And one was those little, um, the small ones, you know, just like personal size, not watermelon, you know. Sure. And those were fantastic. Hmm. And as a kid, they were really, really cool because I could actually pick them up. Yeah. And I could carry them in the house. Mm -hmm. And I liked that feeling and that taste and that flavor. And I always wanted to help more in the garden, but I was never doing the right thing. And I don't know. Both of my grandfathers gardened. Um, Dad, not so much. My brother kind of went on to other stuff. Um, and then later it was getting s- sick, right? Right. And I could eat the organic vegetables. Mm-hmm. And my stomach wouldn't get upset, but more and more the other commercial stuff was upsetting my stomach. Doesn't sure. so much happen anymore now that I've gotten things straightened around. But there was not a lot of organic vegetables available in Kansas in the early nineties, right? I True. mean mid nineties. There was there, there was one store two two stores in Lawrence and one in Topeka, but it wasn't a lot of fresh stuff, right? It was a lot of pill bottles and supplements mm-hmm. and wheat and things like that, right? Yeah, and, wheat grass and all that. Right, and yeah. so it didn't quite work. So I wanted my own stuff, right? I wanted tomatoes I could eat and not get sick at my stomach. I wanted, you know, mm-hmm. zucchinis. I mean, you you put in a, you put in your first couple of those, right? And you start hauling those in. You go. I paid $2.50 for this packet of seeds, and I have got more zucchinis than I ate all of last year. Right. And I was paying a lot more for them, and then for organic, I was paying a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of my first lesson in living capital, yeah. even though I didn't know that's what it was, right? Right. And then, as I continued to garden, it became, well, this is meditative or prayerful right Mm -hmm. this connects me to something in the real world because i can be very lost intellectually or philosophically or inside a digital computer very easily right i mean probably most of the audience is half bored of mine drifting off in podcast right of course that's where we got all our material is from (laughs) things like that Uh, yeah the different perspective comes from all that time there but gardening like grounds me and puts me where I need to be back in touch with the real world. Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, this plant died. How do I make this one grow? Why won't this one grow? When should I plant this? How should I plant it? Why is mine different than this person's? And all that. And it's a puzzle to play with both mentally, right. Right. but it's still in the physical world. And that just keeps me so addicted to it that I always have some kind of gardening going for last, well, let's see, it would have been early 90s, so whatever that is, somebody else can do the math. I'm not good with math. Yeah, it's, it's almost like programming in some ways, right? What if I do this this year? It's more like hacking, right? Yeah, because, no, that's true. Because yeah. hacking is this, yeah. instead of planning it all out, it's, what happens if I push this button? Uh-huh. Oh, it did that. Does it do it again when I push that button? Oh, yeah, it does. I doubt it's supposed to do that. Hey, that's a bug. Right, that that level of hacking, not right. destroying people's wealth, financials, or life. Uh-huh, right, uh-huh. that that experiential finding the problem and then 
reverse engineering that back to code and fixing it kind sure. of thing. Yes, it's sure. very much like that. Love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, one thing that stood out in your story was the little personal watermelon. I don't remember ever seeing those before the year 2000 or something like that. I'm surprised right. you had those back in uh, the 80s. Yeah, but the that was one of the interesting things about real small town stuff, right? The mm-hmm. lady that ran the hardware store had seeds you couldn't get anywhere else that right, were right. unusual like that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and then there was a lot of heirloom varieties. Sure. And there were, you know, the little packets with the check marks and the handwritten stuff on the front, right? Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's what yeah. we need to go back to, right? Uh-huh. We lost all that. Yeah. And we have to rebuild it. Yeah, that's why I really like the land race stuff this year is that, you know, you start getting into stuff. Like there's one that I got um, from uh, Experimental Farm Network, I think is where I got it. Yeah, and it's called uh, Grandpa McKay's Cream Pea um, Cow Peas. Yeah. And instead of being the normal Black Eyed Pea looking cow peas, right? Right. They look like creamy cream style peas hmm. in, in the in the pot yeah, right and stuff and uh you know things like that that are unique and and um and uh, we'll go through some of the ones in here that obviously somebody had an accident right well, see that- they got this too close to that and uh and it made a weird looking squash right and, and a lot of that is still good food yeah and we can't connect with that anymore because all of gardening became about market and mm-hmm. far, shelf stable, yeah. well, shelf stable, transport stable, mm-hmm. and grow in big lots, right? right. And the commercial farmer, mm-hmm. the industrial instead farmer. of the small home yard grower or subsistence farmer of the forties, fifties, sixties, right? Sure. In the seventies, it came back really big. Um, <clears throat> And that that goes even into the gardening books, right? If if you go look at like Elliot Coleman's work and what he shows with the intensive plantings and stuff that they were doing in France that we gave up on because all of our spacing requirements were now for the commercial varieties of the commercial seed. That's part mm-hmm. of that land. Mm-hmm. What grows well on my land? Well, how you plant and where you plant and when you plant and all that affects what grows, right? Right. But the seeds have that memory. That's right. And land and, and developing your own land race is about developing a seed that fits your habits, your land, and your lifestyle. Right. So that you get the food. Mm-hmm. Which is just like the biggest experiment you could have. I mean, it's like... Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, I like the fact that the, the, the key part there, that seeds have memory... They remember where they where it worked, where it didn't work, right? Because otherwise, you wouldn't have a seed because it it wouldn't propagate. Yeah, and we could go into big details on how that works, but no, yeah. just from a high level, that's it's very, a high level. Yeah, yeah that's, it, that's it, it's a memory, right? And uh, um, so when you get some seed from the seed store, or whatever, you know, they got shipped from another state. It probably has some memory from that state, and then you'll have to adapt it to your place. What what I absolutely hate is some of the first companies I did business with in seed catalogs, Mm -hmm. they grew, and they grew, and they grew, and you can't get the varieties that they had. Right. But 
they no longer as good as seed because they're filling this bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Like Renee's Garden Seeds. Right. I was excited this year because I got to order from Renee's Garden Seeds because I'm not doing a commercial garden this year, right? Mm-hmm. So I could afford to buy a packet of these flowers and this vegetable because they are super high quality seeds. Okay. Because they're not focused on being really big. Now, they're very focused on California climate, so that's mm-hmm. a problem for me. But the higher quality seed means that if I baby it a little bit, I can start adapting it to my area. Right. But there are several companies that I know, I'm not going to name them, that started out like that, that are now so big, supplying so many people, buying up seeds from other farms, or doing so much seed work themselves, that they are very into this machine-planted commercial production thing, and it doesn't work as well for the home grower. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, it's spring. What are you planting right now? So I've planted already um, the cut and come again lettuce, the black seeded Simpson. Right. I have already harvested a couple of gallon bags mm-hmm. of, of lettuce out of my greenhouse, uh, and you can see pictures of the greenhouse on the on the on the website from last uh, last fall. So another thing I've been planting, we talked about the cowpeas. I'm trying to cross breed some cowpeas. I like cowpeas. They were they grow really well in my place. They fertilize the soil and they give some mulch that has really helped. So I've gone back to some of those. I'm doing the milpa again, right? Um, where a milpa is just a huge mix of all these seeds. Um, one of the things that I've done this year is I started mixing in uh, spring lentils mm. because the lentils come up faster. So I have more water retention in the soil. The only thing I have to watch out for is that they don't choke everything else out. Right? Yeah, they're probably, <clears throat> germination-wise, they're probably right in there with the buckwheat in that sure. mix. Yeah, yeah, they're they're beating out the buckwheat so far. So. I've got that going on. I've got some neat things from the Experimental Farm Network, um, efnseeds.com, where um, I've got this this perennial thing called the Indian rice grass, which mm. is a is a long grass that supposedly the Native Americans used, and uh, the seeds are almost like almost like a, a grain or a rice. They look almost like rice. Um, and then I've I've also have a perennial Grex kale, a kale that is supposed to make it through the winter time. I don't know what kind of shape it's going to be in when it gets through the winter time, but basically it could make it through the winter time and last and keep going. Good. So you, you probably should put some of that in the greenhouse so it's up in fall and it'll definitely make it through in yep. the greenhouse. Yep. I got I got it both in the greenhouse and in the garden, and then I'll see which plants make it and which ones don't. And then keep propagating those. Um, I'm just about getting ready. It's still about a month out. Um, in May, I'll plant squash. Right. Um, I have a I have a Jemmy Natticoat Breeders Mix squash, where some basically some Natticoat squash got mixed in with some other squash, and it's really vine borer resistant, which is my biggest problem is the squash yes. bugs. I'm excited to try that one. Yeah, because seed saving for that would. You, yeah, everyone around here hates them. Right. So it's. Got I've some, been asked by people in the city. You know, how do you do this? I'm not from this area. How do you guys ever have squash? Sure. 
last year it seemed like the ones that made it the best were the ones that were growing in with some of the milpa so some of the milpa greens kept the the squash vines kind of sheltered right and then it kept down the squash bugs that way um i've also this year planted perennial um uh, pollinators in bands so this is what i got from the the green cover seed and basically so i'll have perennials come up and then those tend to bring in more of the wasp type um, pollinators that like squash bugs like aphids they're more they lay eggs in their eggs and eat the larvae and stuff right so you know so there'll be a little bit of competition there maybe Um, give you a head start on next year right so i've planted some of that um what else have i planted i planted some sugar beets mm-hmm. so we're going to experiment a little bit with that and see what we can do from a fermentation standpoint what we can do from uh um yeah basically make some ale or something out of it right i, I was thinking you know because everybody goes straight to sugar so i right. want to do that with a little bit just so i've been through the process sure but i was kind of like a beet vinegar Mm-hmm. might be really really good and we just skip that step of going to the sugar right because the sugar's already in the juice turn into juice go straight into vinegar or wine or whatever that yeah. would be yeah yep that would be really really good i'd like that and uh yeah this, so that's what i have planted so far i just planted some tomatoes today that i that i saved seed from last year and uh it it should be a race to see whether any surprise frost comes up. Because last year we were sitting really pretty about May 1st, and then a fro- and then a frost came by May 9th that wasn't even on the forecast. So the last two years we had frost May 9th and May 5th. So we'll see. So um, I was reviewing this calendar I got from K-State. It mm-hmm. tells you, you know, when you should be planting stuff. It's got kind of a little box for, you sure. know. So for collards right now, you know, you're going to plant them in April. You're going to harvest them mid-May through June, right? Sure, sure. Now, there's tons of ways to cheat this list, but it's a very good guideline. I like to check it every once in a while to make sure I'm staying on task. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones I noticed is that pumpkins need to start going in next month. Yeah, next month, right. They go in in May. Yeah. And it wasn't on, and I want to plant them, right? But it was not in my mind that that was, we were that close to that already, right? Right. So, so some I, of so these I, squashes are, some of these squashes are actually pumpkins, like, they're kind of like half between winter squash and pumpkins. Right. Some of them look warty and all this other stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, and we'll, we'll separate the seeds up, and you can try some here, and I'll try some there. And yeah. then we'll see. But yeah, you're right. And you're, you're, this is also your winter squash time, right? Is uh-huh. the end of May there. And so, yeah, that is something I do, you know, kind of in the middle of each season is look at what do I need to be thinking about for three sure. weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Do you have any techniques that you use to do that? or? Yeah, I've got the, uh, I've got the Clyde's Garden Planner from mm-hmm. Baker Creek, that slide rule thing. Right. And you basically slide it to the last frost date and then it tells you when you should start stuff inside and when you should plant it outside so you know start tomatoes at the end of march put them out may 1st right right and then like you have on your your sheet right there sweet potatoes um the sweet potatoes slips become available here um on mother's day 
right around Mother's Day. Right. Last year it was a lot later than that, and 2020 it was all messed up because of uh, the. Um, and, and if you're wanting sweet potatoes, right, you can know that like in March, mm-hmm. and just go buy one at the store. Oh yeah. And start making your own slips. Yeah, I've tried that. It didn't work so well, so I'm gonna need to. We should work on that. that. We, we we probably need to work on techniques like that so that we're thriving in the future because we're not relying right. on somebody else to do some stuff for us. Yeah, so one of the things we had a problem with last year and the year before in 2020, of course, was that uh, the sweet potatoes weren't available in the usual spot. Mm. And then yeah. um, the hardware store down there usually has sweet potatoes that come from K-State. And for some reason, those were pushed all the way back to the third week of June. Mm, yeah, that starts being in. a problem. And uh, by the time they came in, it was too hot, and I lost more than half of the sweet potatoes I put in, and they just never really did right. much. I got a I got a minor crop out of it, and that was about it. So kind of one of the other things I'm thinking here, right, mm-hmm. you know, a cabbage goes in again in July. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for me because... But, but I can never ahead. get anything to come up from seed exactly. in the summer, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. what that tells me is... The beginning of June, mm-hmm. I need to be starting cabbage. Inside? Inside. Right. In pots mm-hmm. or in soil box. I like soil box better, right? Sure. So I have that for July so that I can harvest it in October. Yeah, that's a good point. And th- th- this is one of the things that this really becomes, you know, helpful for me on, because broccoli is the same way, right? But I'm not thinking fall garden yet at all. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking we're just getting started in the spring. Right. But here in three weeks or so i need to be starting another set of plants that will then be the summer plants that become the fall garden correct so one of the things we can do here in our um locale is that we have two we can actually have those two victory garden seasons right right whereas some i was talking to uh one of my coworkers who's in idaho he only gets one season and then Mm -hmm. he'll have to do everything in a in a um in a tunnel or he'll have to do it in a greenhouse right so but i'm like you i can't get things to germinate outside in july so and the same goes for the spinach right right i can put spinach in in august all i want Mm -hmm. it isn't coming up out of the soil correct so it has to go in as a transplant Mm -hmm. and even when i when i say spinach right spinach doesn't really grow well here for me sure but that's the same thing as tatsoi. That's the same mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. as all those other little greens like the bok choys and those. Right. This is a guide to just yeah. keep me thinking the same way. I got into my little sheet protector here because, mm-hmm. you know, I've always got it by the plants and I spill dirt on it and water on it. And I like tatsoi better than spinach. The spinach usually bolts, but the tatsoi doesn't seem to bolt. I've had it bolt, but it takes a lot more work to get it there right the one funny thing here is you've got okra on the list here to plant in may right and uh i was i wouldn't have thought of uh planting okra in may yeah i looked at that and i went maybe that's why i have such mixed results <laughs> no there's there's okra that in i'm the planting milpa. later right there's well, okra in the milpa but then it doesn't come up for quite some time right right but I'm I'm looking at that going, you know, usually I'm waiting a little longer to put that in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I'm having problems, but that, that starts to be into that summer where it doesn't quite germinate the way it's supposed to. Sure. So that's a good catch. Yeah, this, so where did you get your garden calendar from? This came from K-State. 
Okay. They hand this out at all the every booth they have in the spring, all uh-huh. that, right? You can download the PDF. I don't remember if I have it anymore. I've got several copies here. Right. So. so if someone doesn't live in the Midwest, where uh, what you would wanna, you recommend? You, you want to find out what your local exchange university is, mm-hmm. and then you need to call them up, email them, or go search their website. They'll usually have something for home gardeners, right? Sure. You can contact the Master Gardener program, usually run out of the same area, mm-hmm. and they'll have charts like this for your area. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, they'll even come out and do soil testing on you and stuff like that. Your, your yeah, county, it just depends, yeah. And you know, that, that's U.S.-centric, right? right? That's, sure. I don't know what the rest of the world does. There's probably a gardening club or something that you can... Well, don't they just, like, take take a taste of the soil and they can figure it out? That's what I do, but I couldn't start there, right? Yeah. But, yeah, you know, as far as planting times, right? That's... That was interesting in, uh, when we did the... And the site survey, you actually tasted the soil. Yeah. Yeah. I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. No, I, it was quite logical. I thought it was interesting. I'm very, gardening is a very experiential thing for me. Mm-hmm. And it really connects me to the real very, world. Very tactile, right? Yeah. And I yeah. need that. If mm-hmm. I don't have that, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a space cadet. Yeah. It's really helped my mental health for working from home because then at lunchtime, I go out and just water for 15 minutes, you know, so I don't get very long for lunch, but that's long enough for me to de-stress and go back into the Coliseum, right? Right. But later this year, right, that walk through the garden is, oh, the basil's looking good. Here's a couple of leaves of that, and here's some mint, and here's some, here's here's a lettuce or a piece of kale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that picture, this app has really helped me because... I've used it to find the, you know, identify the perennials that are coming up. Like you were talking right. about hen, hen bit. Right? Hen bit, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, purple or dead nettle. Right. And I've got hen bit going crazy. Right. I've got. Uh, um, it's really, really good. It's a good mineral rich. Uh, I was looking at the uh, forest, uh, forest garden today because i'm starting to do some lists of herbs and flowers i want to be growing and trying to get a whole nectary you know so i have flowers blooming that insects like all year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things i noticed was that hinbit was hinbit it's either hinbit or um what's the other one there's another one that's named after a chicken too i can't think of it right now um is actually a d- dynamic accumulator hmm. on the okay. list of dynamic accu- and I was like, oh, dynamic accumulators pull in high quantities of certain uh, minerals or right from the soil. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think rhubarb was in that list of dynamic accumulators as well. I was like, I didn't know this about some of these plants. Right. So, so what surprising things are you growing this year? Well, I'm going to try growing the tiger nut or chufa. Yeah. It's ground nut as well. Mm-hmm. Another name for it. Um, oh, the tiger nut is the same thing as ground nut? I don't know. I need to double check that. Okay. I need to go compare Latin names. Sure. You know, I hear rumors on the internet and then I go confirm to the Latin names. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I uh, didn't think they were the same, but that's interesting. I didn't think so either, but that's what I was told. Isn't that to... a legume though? See, that's what I thought. So I'm confused. So I'm going to look at that. There's also a pig nut that also grows as a tuber under plants as sure, well. And right. I don't know. Uh, I'm, 
I'm assuming somebody's got something mixed up and it just came out of my mouth and shouldn't have. But yeah, I got to compare all that. I think pig nut is actually the ground nut, the typical ground nut. But okay. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody's got a different common name for everything, depending on yeah, sure where you are. So yeah, depending on what part of the country you're in. But I but it is tiger world. nut that I am growing for sure. That's um, interesting. Yeah, you eat tiger nuts because of your uh, a your AIP, thing, yeah. right? And they're also good for diabetics or people with sugar problems because they're inulin based mm-hmm. and not that. And they're not a nut; they're a ground tuber. So yeah. So what kind of perennials are you uh, growing this year? I am going to focus heavily on the herbs. Mm-hmm. I want to grow uh, the New Jersey tea plant. Yeah, I've so, got some of that too. Um, I got several hyssops. What do you use a New Jersey tea plant for? I'm going to make tea out of it. It supposedly has the same flavor as tea and none mm-hmm. of the caffeine. And right. it was one of the things used during the Revolutionary War for tea yeah. replacement because we were yeah, that's throwing true. it in the harbor and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly true. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, I've got one um, packet of New Jersey tea. I've got some uh, wild licorice. Oh yes, I've that got, uh, I believe was one of the ones that was a ground cover that tolerates foot traffic in my charts today. Interesting. And I've got marshmallow, even though I don't. I'm not sure I have a wet enough area to be able to put that in. Yeah, uh, I want to get some like. I want to try and get the lemon balm going native. Uh-huh. Try and get some of the mints going native. Oh, I got lots of that if you want some of that. I got tons yeah. of lemon balm and lots of mint. I've got that. Remember that mint that we had last year? Right. The, the candy cane mint? I mean, that thing tasted the most like candy canes of anything I've ever tasted. It wasn't re- it wasn't sugary, obviously, but it was really strong. And, uh, yeah, that's good. I've get, got screw it. Okay. Skirt's yeah. going to. Uh, I'm going to experiment with that. So basically, it is like in the carrot family. It sort of looks like a horseradish, mm-hmm. except that the except that the roots are you know diverse instead of one central root. Right. And then the roots have a carrot parsnip type, uh, especially parsnip type flavor. That'd be good. Yeah, I'll get you some of that, and we'll we'll start it up. Yeah. So I, I'm going to focus on. Mostly the herb culinary and medicinal tea type stuff. Good plan. Okay, any other advice you can give to folks as they're jumping into the growing season? I liked what you said about plan already for the fall and the and the summer, right? Right. You just get your get your thinking out of current moment and start looking at the future so that you're not running around last minute. I always end up doing mm-hmm. that to myself. Right. Um I think slow down and enjoy the meditative quality of it. Good. And appreciate the abundance that you can get. That's really good, yes. Get like get, a, get out of that scarcity mindset. Everybody that you do will help you with the meditative prayer connecting part. Mm-hmm. And, and that, look around look around for some of the perennials. You may find some, like last week I was um, foraging some nettles and I stumbled upon some something I didn't recognize, so I used picture this on it. It was garlic mustard. Right. The, so, you, you know, you should be looking at all those things you consider a, a weed. Right. A lot of them are medicinals used in Native American and other traditions. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are very mineral rich. Right. Something everybody is lacking in going into spring because we haven't eaten as much greens and fresh vegetables. Yeah. And some of them are only here for a little while. And don't just try them once, right? Because dandelions mm-hmm. really early are less bitter than the sure. ones later, the smaller leaves versus those. So take nibbles of them. Try them. 
try them raw, try them cooked, because that completely changes the bitterness profile. Um, mix them with something else. So you got a arugula and lettuce salad mix from the store. Throw some dandelion and henbit in there, maybe some violets. Right. And then propagate some of that stuff. If you're on a hike and you see it and you can get away with it, dig some of it up and take it and put it in your garden. Because I'm thinking about getting myself some of those uh, preforms for the right. bottles. Because huh. I put a little soil in there, I put the plant down in there, and I can put the little cap on, and it'll stay moist in the pack while I'm hiking. And Yeah, that's pretty good. Because, I mean, basically, the way it used to be was they would call these the weeks of want. As you ran out of your stored food, right before there were supermarkets, and, uh, and before you started getting the greens in your garden, you could go and forage some of these things. And, and remember, it takes trying something over time mm -hmm. about seven times for your saliva and other enzymes that come out with your saliva in the mouth to change so that they are ready to make things palatable that wouldn't have been palatable before hmm that's interesting because your body responds to oh this mineral is here let's start making some of this enzyme really and the more it encounters it the more it starts to make that enzyme and then things that were bitter become more sweet or mm -hmm. they become less shocking to the palate because there's something there to interact with that. Right. Or, you know, it might seem real bitter or or whatever else. And maybe you... Or just too strong of a flavor, right? Right. Yeah. So Interesting. Don't give up on it. Yeah. And look, look for other ways too, right? You know, so there's lamb's quarters and you can eat some of the... You can eat some of the leaves, but also when it goes to seed, the seed is very high protein and can actually be ground up into all of flour or added to smoothies or something. Right. There are all kinds of ways to do it. Right. Get out there, grow something, harvest something, forage something. Yeah. Use picture of this and we'll catch you next week. Yeah. And, and uh, delight in the abundance. Yes. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Thriving the Future podcast. Check us out on the web on thrivingthefuture.com. Also, come and join our conversation on Twitter at ThrivingTheFute. And on our Telegram group, there's a link on the website. This podcast was produced by Scott the Freedom Farmer at FreedomFarmer.net. Copyright 2022, ThrivingTheFuture.com. Join us at the Homestead Journal in living out the classic homesteading ethos on the path towards a simple life that speaks to the heart of humanity. We're an online community embodying and helping our members develop an indestructible homesteading mindset. Become someone who adds walk to the talk and applies proven old world protocols in a modern context. Find us at thehomesteadjournal.net and follow us at thj.net on Twitter. Are you a freedom farmer? Check out freedomfarmer.net, where I focus on skills over stuff and designing an intentional life. That's freedomfarmer.net. If you are interested in starting a podcast and you would like some consultation, how to find your niche, how to grow your audience, how to develop that consistency, contact me at thrivingthefuture at gmail.com.